I'm Ajay Parthasarthi and you are listening to The Sensations, a podcast about people who have led impactful lives. On every episode I will engage in conversations with people who belong to a wide array of fields and I'll bring to you their stories that will inspire the sensation within you. Joining in from England today is someone who has literally made a lot of cricketers millionaires. A cricket purist by heart, but he also loves the IPL. He is the gavelmeister, the IPL auctioneer. and as the media calls him the hammer man please welcome mr richard madley richard how are you oh great pleasure to be here yeah i'm very well um england is grey uh, overcast uh, it'll be raining by 11 o'clock so i imagine the uh, the, the start of the game will be delayed but is the toss still happening <laughs> yeah yeah um no, they'll, they'll probably wait to see it when the covers come off actually you know it's uh, you know, it's middle of the winter here the uh, the nearest that we get to uh, seeing any cricket in england at the moment is uh, is on the television uh, to uh, to new zealand it's really good to have you on the show richard and let me tell you something interesting here okay you have more experience conducting auctions than i have ever lived i'm 25 years old and you have an experience of more than 3 decades I mean when you think about it it's truly incredible. Yeah, well I I came into the business Ajay at a very young age. My father was an auctioneer. Uh mm-hmm. my father-in-law uh was an auctioneer. So I would start uh helping my father in the uh, school holidays um at the age of about 15. So mm-hmm. therefore I've been in the auction here for 47 years. I mean Oh, that could be a record God. a record in its own right and uh so i've been but i've so i've served an apprenticeship um whereby you know i started you know at the very bottom my father uh would sell the uh, the, the, the the antiques and the uh, works of art and uh and the carpets and the clocks and then at the end of the day he would then say right you can go and sell the contents of the garage and i'd sell the boxes and the step ladders yeah yeah i'd i'd sell the spare parts and uh, but that's the way that you learn you know it's a great way Ooh. to cut your teeth and uh and i would watch my father stand you know, on a rostrum and uh, and conduct the auction in a very composed manner yeah and he had uh, he he remembered the three f's with an a good auctioneer a good auctioneer should be firm fair mm-hmm. and friendly so if you can combine those three f's you have the basic ingredients of being a good auctioneer and that's true uh, as someone who watches the ipl auctions religiously year after year it reflects in the way you conduct the auctions and it must be wonderful for the players as well because clearly as fans we are totally captivated by the proceedings in the auctions and watching all those teams place bid after bid Yeah the uh, I mean the IPL uh, auction yeah is an auction like no other uh, and the manner in which uh, I conduct the auction uh, is probably just a little bit different to any mm-hmm. other auction I've ever conducted um for the first thing is it's it's very transparent um the player's base prices are published everybody knows okay. the base price of a player before he goes into the auction that never happens at any other auction that that i conduct the the reserve prices the base prices are normally secret um right. but it was the wish um of um img who put the whole tournament together and lalit mm-hmm. modi right at its inception that he wanted transparency within the yeah. ipl auction 
and the very fact that it is televised, the very mm -hmm. fact there is a camera on every bidding uh, table, uh, that there's a camera on me, uh, means that uh, it is a, a very open, open process. But yeah. my style of selling, uh, is, uh, I think has been perfected for the IPL. And it's very interesting watching Hugh Edmeads conduct the auction and he is yeah. mimicking me. He's watched me endlessly <laughs> on YouTube. Yeah. And he's seen how I give that, uh, commentary auction. You know, so the bids with the RCB now, we, here we are now at 1500. Oh, welcome Delhi. Delhi comes in and I'm telling a story and I'm imagining that there's uh, an Indian follower of the IPL who's not watching us on TV, um, that maybe he or she is listening to it. Uh, yeah. And so, therefore, I'm trying to tell a story, a factual story, but making it very clear to the fans and the followers and the franchise owners what is happening that, at that moment. So it's very, very concise, very, very clear. And, of course, everybody loves it when I go, sold. That is the word that has become synonymous with the IPL. By the way, I have with me here, Ajay, this is it, the very own, the, the IPL gavel, the one that I used in every auction from its inception in 2008 when you were a school, small boy watching it uh, at school. You know, the first thing that came to my mind when you showed me that gavel was, how do I really take it away from you? I mean... It is such an important piece of cricket memorabilia and it has seen cricketers turn millionaires. I'm sure you must feel extremely proud to have it. Oh, totally. I mean, I mean, pride is the, is the greatest thing that I feel about my involvement with the IPL. And uh, yeah, obviously, you know, uh, losing the mantle of being the IPL auctioneer last year um, hit me hard. I, I felt um, rather sad, um, slightly bruised. Not the mm -hmm. fact that I'd lost the uh, lost the title, um, but because you know, nobody explained to me uh, why I was no longer wanted. I have a I've got friends throughout India uh, with the, uh, the the franchise owners and the fans, um, and mm -hmm. I thought that uh, although one there's no such thing as a job for life, I still thought I had a few seasons left in me. But looking back, hey, you know, that's what happens. I was the IPL auctioneer from its inception. Look at my Twitter handle. Nobody else will ever have uh, th yeah. that verified Twitter handle. At IPL auctioneer. That's the one, isn't it? Indeed. So, so yeah, well, what what happens to the gavel? Well, yeah, people have, t have asked, you know, uh, could it stay in India? I mean, it should really stay in India. It should be in a museum. It should be in a museum mm. of cricket memorabilia somewhere in India. Um, and there's nobody really, um, the, the, there's the Blades of Glory Museum uh, in Pune, uh, mm -hmm. where, you know, where the, there's a great effort to put together a, a, a museum. Um, but uh, really, uh, you know, it should be maybe in the Wankidi Stadium uh, on display so people can come and look at it. Wherever I take it to India, uh, it's, the, it's the hammer itself they want the selfie with, not me. But that gavel has changed the lives of a lot of cricketers. So I think that's only fair. Yeah, they uh, there certainly are a, a good number of players um, whose lives have been changed uh, hmm. in the IPL auction. Um, you know, not just the bigger names, but some of the more obscure, unknown players who might have come up on day two you know, of the two-day mm -hmm. auction. Uh, you know, watching you know, the the auction online and watching their lives 
changed literally by every bid that went up. Uh, it was life-changing for them and their families. Uh, mm. And uh, that is the magic um, uh, of the auction. So the auction has, it's it's got a twofold process, really. It, obviously, it allows, first and foremost, the franchises to be able to build their teams. Yeah? And that is, that's really important. And there's the salary cap in, in place. And there's a lot of strategic bidding uh, that, that that's involved in, in building the team. So that, of course, is the function um, of the auction. However, you know, the, the side stories are, are enormous. I mean, first and foremost, it's an amazing um, marketing event. I mean, right. for the IPL, uh, the, the auction itself is the launch pad to the tournament. Right. And they haven't got to pay millions to market it. They simply hold the auction. And the word is out there. They're out there, yeah, you know, uh, you know, and uh, it's been broadcast all over the world, and people are talking about it. So that is the, I think that that's probably the the, the major function that uh, Lalit Modi never thought of when he first thought that he wanted to have an auction of players. It, it was it was billed originally as a way of building building teams, um, and then the the other stories you know, are you know, are are the the the, the, the life changing experiences uh, for those players. Uh, who can uh, you know, who, who who are made for life, literally um, at the fall of the hammer? So yeah, lots. There's there's it's like a spider's web, and there's lots of angles in, in the auction. And 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 also the world of cricket has benefited immensely uh, because we have seen a lot of talent that have come up who went on to help the national teams lift major trophies. Um, for example, we saw a lot of West Indian players who benefited from their IPL experience while they played the T20 World Cup in India. Uh, and they also had the experience of playing on these pitches and conditions, so that helped them a lot. Yeah, and yeah, and the uh, you know the skill sets have improved. I mean, the standard of of catching and fielding in the uh, in Test cricket now, you know, is due to you know, is due to the IPL to those fielding mm-hmm. drills that they put themselves through before before the game. The, the the way the way they warm up for an IPL game. You know, so those those skills. You know, have transcended through to the five-day game. You know, the purists say, well, you know, it's all made it a little bit, um, you know, a slap happy or bish bosh. Uh, but, you know, but th- that some of those shots have been perfected with the IPL right. in mind. Uh, and they, and they, they, they've, they've uh, been able to, to move into the longer form of the game and make it more interesting. And we got to see this happening too. Uh, when India toured Australia for the 2018-19 series, uh, we saw Jaspreet Bumrah dismiss Sean Marsh on the last ball before lunch with a slow yorker. It was an LBW. And I don't think we ever saw something like this in the history of Test cricket. And and in many ways, I am truly happy about it because cricket as a whole benefits from this with the players making the contest between the bat and ball even more exciting. Yeah, I I, I agree. Over here in England now, I've just been uh, on BBC talking about the new form. We've got a new shortened form of the game called the hundred. The hundred, yeah. The hundred, yeah, uh, which will be played in our summer next uh, July. Uh, A shortened form of the game. Uh, sadly, um, no Indian players uh, were allowed to play. We would love to have had some Indian players out here, uh, but obviously they're contracted to the BCCI. Uh, yeah. And um, so, uh, the short form of the game, yeah, will definitely uh, we'll bring in players from Australia, from the West Indies, from all over the world. And yeah, it's kind of it's what the crowds want to see. Uh, and uh, and I think that 
uh, although I'm a purist at heart uh, and I love the five-day five game, um, the shortened form of the game is giving the customer what they want. That's pure mm. marketing. Uh, so that is the 100 uh, or, or, or T20 and, uh, you know, and, and the IPL has just, just led the world uh, in the shortened form of the game. And I totally agree with you on this, Richard. Um, going back to your beginning as an auctioneer, you started with artifacts and fine arts. But cricket, um, it's a whole different thing altogether. So tell us about how you got into the whole world of cricket and how do you develop this interest for cricket? Well, I suppose that um, if I, before I wanted to be an auctioneer, I would have loved to have been a cricketer. I would have loved to have played uh, county cricket in England. Um, uh, I played club cricket to a a reasonable standard, um, Mm -hmm. but I would have loved just to have... uh, been able to to have played you know, for my county Glamorgan you know, against Middlesex or against Surrey or against Kent, uh, but I wasn't good enough. Um, but that that didn't stop my love of the game. So yeah. I started playing league cricket uh, mm-hmm. when I was about uh, sixteen, uh, and I'm still playing league cricket today. You now all those That's years later, uh, uh, and I play T Twenty. On a Thursday night, they put me behind the stumps and tell me not to move for 20 overs. <laughs> I, I, I physically can't move after that anyway, but I get through the game and I, and, and I, so I love the game. Uh, and I think that's really, really important in, in doing what you do is to, is, is to love what you're doing. Uh, right. And it, it made it very natural for me, therefore, you know, when the IPL concept came up and, and the opportunity to combine auctions uh, with Cricket, well, those are my two loves, and they asked me if I could combine combine the two. But you know, I started at the you know at the very bottom, as I say, I would sell uh, the contents of garages for literally two pounds, three pounds for a pair of step ladders, very small bit, and I and I worked my way up, and I worked my way up through through the ranks, so to speak, and I then joined a London uh, auction house because I'm I'm not uh, I'm not English, funny enough, people think. I'm English. I'm. I'm not. I'm Welsh. I'm proudly from Wales, and so I have to make that that very clear. So I moved from my country, and I and I had a an accent, uh, which was very Welsh. Yeah, it's difficult for people to understand. Yeah, and and uh, also an accent for an auctioneer is not an advantage. An uh, uh, an auctioneer should really just have a clear voice. So okay. it's, it's it's clarity that is most important. So I I learned to to drop the accent that I had because I realised to enable me to be an auctioneer on the London market, I needed to sound British. So I I worked right. on that now and uh, and and I I became a, a a junior porter. I used to unload the lorries as they came uh, as they delivered. Um, the furniture and the carpets. I would be at the back unloading the uh, the carpets. My parents were concerned. I think, having invested in a good ed- education, that I was doing manual work. But I have no regrets about doing that manual work. It taught me a huge amount about the business, and I learned mm. how to handle antiques and works of art with with professional art handlers. And I learned how to display the goods. And it was a very very good background. Uh, and I worked my way up from a porter to a junior cataloger to a junior trainee auctioneer. Um, and then 20 years later, um, 
at the age of 40, um, I'd moved to New York. Uh, I'd moved to New York uh, and I was approached by Christie's in New York to become wow. president, president of Christie's East in New York, the biggest auction, highest volume auction business in North America. So That's I had gone from porter to president in, wow. it took me 20 years. Um, so I have, you know, there's nothing I haven't done in the auction business. And very importantly today, you know, if I turn up at an auction house yeah, and there are porters unloading the furniture and they want a hand, I'll go and help them. I will go and help them. Uh, and because these guys are, are how the auction business works. Uh, right. I'm, I'm never too proud you know, to forget where I came from. Uh, so, yeah, I, I peaked. Uh, I, I had this amazing job in working in New York. And from New York, I would travel to, to um, Canada. Uh, every week, I'd go to Los Angeles, to Michigan. I would go. I'd go all over the the United States, uh, and we. I got involved in a TV program, uh, yes. a television program that was called the Antiques Roadshow. Um, and in England, uh, the on the BBC, the Antiques Roadshow is probably the most popular antiques program uh, in the UK. And a friend of mine had bought the U.S. rights, uh, and we took it around the USA, uh, and it became the most popular uh, television program in the history of PBS, which is the public broadcasting right, stations. Uh, and so that was a phenomenon in its own right. Uh, for various reasons, I can say that, you know, missing cricket a lot. I, I, I returned to the U.K. I'd been there for in the U.S. for 10 years. Uh, my knowledge of baseball was pretty good then, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I was missing the cricket. Uh, and I actually, you know, we decided that our children would be educated back in the UK. Right. So we came back and I picked up in cricket then with many of my friends then you know, who had played uh, county and test cricket. Um, and a number of them uh, were given a benefit, um, a benefit season, which is basically an opportunity at the end of your playing career in in England, uh, you have a season whereby you, the player, can can benefit from fundraising events, and you would normally share that with a charity. Uh, and so I got involved in helping these players raise money for their benefit funds and for the charities. Uh, we have a great charity called the Lords Taverners, based at Lords. And we raise money for uh, for children to play uh, to play cricket uh, and disability cricket, uh, and it's a great yeah. charity. Uh, and I got to meet many many people in in the cricket world through that. Uh, and I was still playing, uh, still involved. And then one day I got a phone call to ask if I could uh, look at a collection of cricket memorabilia. Now, cricket memorabilia these are bats, uh, balls, autographs, photographs paintings, mm -hmm. books from the golden age of cricket, as it's called in the UK, uh, which is from about 1895 to about 1920. This is real wow. cricket memorabilia. And I got involved in selling cricket memorabilia. Uh, and to this day, uh, I'm, I'm actively involved in uh, buying and selling the very best of cricket memorabilia uh, in, in the world. That is such a wonderful story. Um, and I've read about you, but uh, these are stories that I never knew. And man, I'm blown away completely. 
um but i know one more story about you and uh, this is about how you were a part of this group that was responsible for the conceptualization of the ipl um can you tell us more about this i mean the ipl didn't just happen um it it was uh, the brainchild of lalit modi uh and lalit modi uh was a a guest of img at not a cricket match at a tennis uh, match uh, at wimbledon okay. in the summer of 2007 uh and as always uh in england in the summer it was raining uh mm-hmm. and so and the toss is delayed once again <laughs> nothing changes there so rain stops play at lords and rain stops play at wimbledon uh mm-hmm. and uh in, in a break of play in the um in the uh, pavilion, uh, Lalit was having a cup of tea uh, with a man called Andrew Wildblood. Uh, and Andrew was responsible for uh, all cricket uh, matters uh, at IMG. Uh, IMG, uh, the world's biggest um, sports marketing group. Right. Uh, and Lalit uh, said to him, look, uh, uh, Andrew, you know, I, yeah, I need to come up with a concept uh, to to revolutionize cricket in india you know we have uh, we have a a, a, a buoyant uh five day uh, d- test uh setup um you know our state cricket uh it leaves a lot to be desired i'm being very diplomatic there he said i believe that we could we could bring something to india uh, some form of tournament uh franchise based city based um where uh, we could get the world's top players to come and play and uh and to, so so Lalit had this I, I, idea this concept and uh and Andrew said to him well look you know, if you are serious if you are serious about this you know I'll go back to uh to my team uh back in London and uh, and we'll thrash it out and uh, there were some really clever people who uh, who were brought into a meeting the following Monday uh, and told about this vision that this man Lalit Modi has got, and they uh, and these um, colleagues of uh, of Andrew Wildbloods had experience in American franchise based sports, and they looked at those those franchise operations: uh, basketball, baseball, uh, mm-hmm. football, um, hockey. Even I mean, yeah, most uh, most American sports franchise based, right, right, and, right. and they. They came up with this idea of a, uh, a city-based uh, franchise um, cricket tournament to be played in India around about um, April May. Um, that they would sell the uh, they would they would sell they didn't auction they sold the the rights to own your team by tender a tender process. Uh, and then once the eight teams had been established, those owners could own them and name them and brand them themselves. And mm-hmm. they thought, and what we could do is maybe, how do we get the top players in to, to, uh, participate in the tournament? Uh, we'll get them to commit to play for six weeks. And mm-hmm. then we will guarantee them some, uh, some money. Uh, and give them the option also of going into an auction. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, it, yeah, it sounded great, you know, and, uh, and, and they, and they, they ran with it. And the, you know, the, um, 
the franchise prospectus, which I tweeted last week. I don't know if you saw it. That prospectus was sent out to the richest people in India, you know, who all had a look at it and uh, made their minds up if they wanted to submit uh, an offer for those franchises. The names are synonymous with, with, with IPL. They made yeah. their offers and they, and they won their franchises. And remember, at that first um, IPL auction, if, uh, just as a side comment, none of those, um, none of those uh, bidders had any names. Uh, if you look at the paddles that were held up in IPL1. Those you know, are the city names. Yeah. Jaipur, Bengaluru, you know, Kolkata. You know, it, right. it was, and they had little plastic paddles. I've got one upstairs, which is part of my IPL memorabilia collection. You know, it really was, it was quite amateurish. However, um, the, the, the concept was, was developed. The franchises were, were, had been sold and now they had to, um, uh, have an auction. And then they thought, well, you know, what, how do you structure an auction? You know, what rules, uh, are, are we going to lay down there? You know, who is going to decide increments? Yeah. You know, who will set the base, base prices? And at that moment, you know, sat around the table, um, Andrew Wildblood said, well, there is an auctioneer that I know. Um, he used to work for Christie's. Um, I've known him for a long time. Uh, and uh, his name is Richard Madley. Uh, and what he uh, combines is a career in auctioneering with a passion for cricket and an understanding of cricket. And, and, uh, and I think that combination can be very useful. So they invited me up to advise them. I, I went there for a day's meeting uh, just to work on uh, the rules and regulations of conducting auctions uh, in the UK and uh, and uh, America, which I assumed would be pretty much the same in India. Um, so we tweaked the, the, the terms and conditions that apply mm -hmm. to international auctions. Uh, we looked at bidding increments and agreed how we would structure the way the bids went up there. We looked at how we would divide the players up into pools, marquee players, marquee ones, specialist wicketkeepers, specialist batsmen. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a long session. And then overnight, uh, these bright guys at IMG worked on it. And, and the next morning when I woke up, there was an email for me saying, what do you think of this? And I read through it. And with a very few tweaks, I said, that auction is ready to go. And they rang me back and said, right, okay, have you ever been to India before? I said, no. They said, uh, right, pack your bags, send me your passports. We're going to get you a visa, fast track, bring your gavel. You're going to conduct an auction in Mumbai next, uh, next week. And that's how you became a legend. That's how I became a legend. And people said, but why did Andrew Wildblood choose you? You know, there are still lots of auctioneers out there. And I say, well, many, many years ago, on the school playing fields, the cricket fields of my school, Sherburn in Dorset, there was a young, quick, fast bowler uh, and, a, and a good, steady wicketkeeper. The fast bowler was Andrew Wildblood, running in from the pavilion end, age 13, and I was his wicketkeeper, his glove man, 13 years of age, and we stayed friends throughout our lifetime. So, yeah, I guess uh, through friendship, uh, I got that lucky break. That is amazing. And uh, being associated with the IPL for so long, I think you can spill some beans on something I've always wanted to know. So, the first player to be sold in the IPL auctions was Shane Vaughan. 
But the interesting part here is that none of the teams counterbid him for his base price of $450,000 and he was sold to Rajasthan Royals. But then MS Dhoni comes up next and there is this crazy bidding war. And every team wanted him. But he eventually went to the Chennai Super Kings for a cool $1.5 million. So, how was the experience for you? Because the bids were of such a contrasting nature and looking at all the bidding amounts and everything... I would have gone crazy if I were you. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, these are the emotions that can be that an auctioneer can experience. Um, and indeed, the first player to come out of the bag, and uh, and it is a bag that is held up beside me, a blue velvet bag uh, in which uh, there are the names of the players to come out in that set. And um, these were these were marquee players in. Uh, in the first auction, and uh, indeed, Shane Warren came out, and um, uh, I asked for his opening bid. He was selling then in U.S. dollars, if you remember. So yeah. uh, his base price was four hundred and fifty thousand. So I asked for that opening bid. Do I see four hundred and fifty thousand? At four hundred and fifty thousand, and up goes one paddle from Jaipur, held by Manoj Badali. Manoj, I got to know over the years very well. Uh, is there any advance on that bid? Do I see any further bid at 450,000? Sold. So he sold. And I thought, well, the good thing is, the good news is he is sold because the, uh, it would be terrible. The first uh, player to come into the IPL auction uh, didn't sell. And so at least he'd sold, but there had been no competitive bidding. But did you feel a bit weird about what had just happened? Because Shane Warne is a legendary leg spinner. And one of the greats in the world. So, did you feel disappointed that there was no counterbid for him? Being first first player out of the bag is not always a good thing. Um, the players are chosen at random, which is very important. I mean, they come up in set order, but they come right. out of the bag in, in, randomly. Now, if you're trying to build your team, um, there, there's there are there are various things you have to consider, and therefore. You know, if you want player A to come out first and he doesn't, you might have to hold back and think, well, then I better wait to see, well, player B comes out. Maybe I'll buy him. And, and it, so there's, there's quite a lot of strategy involved in the bidding. I think that, I think Shane Warne was, um, ideal for the Jaipur franchise. Mm. Um, they would have obviously spoken to him beforehand. Yeah, but yeah. Would you would you would you like to yeah. come up here? You know, we see a role for you more than just being a legendary leg spinner because you know he was getting on towards the end of his playing days. But you know, we want someone who can mentor the team. We want someone who can bring in the youngsters. Someone who can advise us on good young players. You know, so so he had he had it was a bigger role than yeah than than, than just being a player. Um, but I think I think his um, I think his um, uh, style of um, uh, of play uh, just suited it suited Jaipur soon to become the Rajasthan Royals. Um, now, the interesting thing is no nobody nobody can recall who the next player to come out of the bag was. Not not even me. I don't I don't I don't recall the order in which the players come out. So I don't know. Uh, if it was MS Dhoni who was the next player, but he, you know, he obviously came out pretty quickly because there were only six players. Uh, as you've seen, I've tweeted that very first auction sheet, 
Uh, and uh, but but that that doesn't show the order in which the players were sold. Um, so, but as soon as the name uh, Mahendra Singh Dhoni came came out of the bag, there was almost uh, there's 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 almost a hush uh, in the room, and there was competition for him. Um, and you know, in many ways, I, mean, I I should have recorded. Who who else was bidding for him that day? Do you do you do you know? Does the public know who else was bidding for MS Dhoni? Somebody bid one point four million for him. It, was it Mumbai? Uh, no, I don't think it was telecast, and uh, people had no idea about what's going on, and we all got to know about it only the newspaper or the TV. And I really wish there was some sort of record evidence of what really went down at that point of time. No, we all we've got is the auctioneer's sheets. Uh, we've got the hammer with which he was sold, um, and um, you know, I would imagine that some franchise holder could claim that he was the underbidder for him at one point four million. You know, does he regret what? What if MS Dhoni had, had had sold to another franchise? I mean, how different would the IPL have been for Chennai? You know, without their icon player. But I, there was there was competition, and and I knew then once we had MS Dhoni going, and once the bids go going at four fifty, seventy five, five hundred, five fifty, six hundred, six fifty, you've got rhythm. The price is going up. We're at a million, and then I knew, guys, now we've got an auction going, and that set the pace for the auction then throughout the day. Uh, but I was thinking, my goodness me, you know, the world of cricket is changing around me. You know, as I'm standing yeah. here on this stage and people are waving paddles at me and paying millions of dollars for cricketers, you know, the game will never be the same again. And, and it did, it, it changed on that day. World of cricket changed. And, um, yeah, and I was the person there in the middle conducting proceedings, um, just because, you know, my old friend Andrew Wildblood was my opening bowler at school. Amazing. Um, before we let you go, I have a question for you. And, this comes from a very personal standpoint and this is about players getting unsold in the auctions. So, some cricketers have played really well for their teams over the years and, and I do understand that some of them would be in the fag end of their careers. But what do you feel when someone talented goes unsold? Um, someone like Chris Gale? I, I, I prepare for the uh, IPL auctions mm, two weeks beforehand when I first sent this, the, the script, team sheets, who's in the auction, and I start to read through them. Uh, I work on pronunciations, which is uh, important, um, uh, and then I then work on their uh, on their speciality, uh, on their reputation, and of course, you know, there are always big names there. But I'm also conscious that in the, the bottom of my sheets, you know, I have the availability slots um, that uh, tell me you know, how many players um are required by a particular team or are are will be allowed into a, a, a playing squad uh, how many overseas slots are are available uh, what purse is available and so you realize that you know you're not going to keep everybody happy uh in the auction uh, and if you analyze the percentage of unsold cricketers against sold cricketers uh in the IPL auction the unsold is enormous Enormous mm. in comparison uh, with the the sold cricketers, um, and there there have been some big names, um, some you could call them casualties um, uh, it, during the auction process. Um, 
And I remember um, uh, Suro Ganguly not being picked by KKR. KKR, yeah. Um, having been with them for two seasons. And and that was um, a moment when I looked around the room and you could see franchise owners looking at each other. Um, obviously, KKR had made that difficult decision. Um, so was anybody else going to pick him up? And, um, and I could just, there was a vibe in the air. You know, this is a, a big name player. The Prince of Kolkata. Dada not getting picked by any team. No, he's not getting picked. He's being rejected. Nobody wants Ganguly. I mean, that's just, hmm, that's never been seen before. Now, um, I don't internalize over it. I, you know, I asked for the bid, whatever his base price was. And I ask it half a dozen times, and if I see no bid, I will. The hammer comes down, unsold. He will go back into the ball, into the bag, and he may be re- he may be represented later. Remember, you've got the opportunity to to call back players who uh, were unsold in the first round. You know, when I mean, Chris Gale went unsold. Uh, exactly. You know, um, twice he went unsold, and then Kings Eleven Punjab. Called him back, and I think he repaid them well in that in that season. Uh, I mean, you're, you're not going to make everybody happy, are you? In the uh, in in the IPL auction, uh, that's the process. Those team owners have analysed it and overanalyzed it. Yeah, you know, when it first started, they had no real bidding strategy. They had a purse. You know, somebody wanted Dhoni, somebody else had wanted uh, Shane Warne. Yeah, you know, and there were some extraordinarily high players at high prices overpaid for players who were past their sell-by date. You know, Ching Ching, yeah. it was a it was a payday for some of these uh, uh test legends. Uh, and but now it's a very sophisticated process. You know, the number of laptops uh, on on each bidding franchise's table, yeah, you know, and, and the and the options and the strategy, it's come on uh, by leaps and bounds over over, over the years. And uh uh yeah it's uh, we've come a long way. Um, so 11 IPL seasons, 11 IPL auctions and countless experiences later. Um, what does the future look like for you? Um, we hear you're planning to publish a book about your experiences so far. Uh, yeah, there, there have been a, a number of, of approaches uh, I have had recently about whether I'd like to share my experiences uh, in uh, the written word. Um, so uh, a book deal would be... Um, a possibility. Um, I, uh, I'm very uh, p- happy to share my experiences uh, as a public speaker. Uh, so I go around to um, uh, to cricket clubs uh, in England, uh, talking about my career, especially uh, the IPL story. Right. Uh, it's a great story um, uh, to tell. So I, I enjoy doing that. Uh, I raise uh, a lot of money for charity as an auctioneer. Uh, I'm very much in demand uh, on the charity auction circuit, um, uh, raising money for for uh, good causes. Um, but I, I would uh, also hope that I can come back to to India, uh, my second home, as I've described it, uh, right. to watch <laughs> some uh, some more cricket, uh, to to meet uh, many friends. Uh, and for those uh, who'd like it, you know, I'll, of course, bring the IPL gavel with me. Yeah. And uh, Jay, you can have uh, a selfie <laughs> with the gavel or with me. Uh, I don't mind. Uh, well, the gavel is nothing without the man holding it. And 
I'd want a selfie with you holding the gavel and we might as well record a video where you say sold. <laughs> well, you know, I uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to coming back to 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 India. Yeah, I might not be coming back to conduct the IPL auctions. Uh you know, I did that uh for 10 years. Uh it was a, a great honor, uh yeah. a great privilege. Uh you know, I can hold my head high. You know, I made only friends uh dur- during that time uh and i'm i'm very looking forward to to coming back and seeing my many friends in india so i know we are running short on time but before we conclude this show uh i'd like to thank you once again for being a part of this and i wish we had more time but i certainly hope we get to do this quite a lot more often in the future well it's been a great a great privilege a great honor and um Yeah, I wish you well and I'm looking forward to meeting you uh, with my uh, gavel so that uh, I can say Ajay you are sold. <laughs> that would be a day I will await for sure. Well, that was Richard Madley and thank you for listening to the Sensations. If you liked this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. We are available on all major listening platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. A huge shout out to Mr. David Brown from Business Wars who helped me put together this episode. Thank you so much. I'm Ajay Parthasarthi and I'll see you in the next one.